Welcome to the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. My name is Sam Clements, and this is the podcast that celebrates films with a 90 minute or less runtime. In each episode, a guest will select a film and join me to add to our ongoing fictional film festival. Today, we're joined by writer and director Emma Seligman, whose new film, Shiver Baby, is now on the very trendy streaming service, Mubi. Welcome to the show, Emma. Thank you so much for having me. And congratulations on Shiver Baby as well. Not only a great film, but 77 minutes long. For those who haven't seen the film yet, how, how, how have you been describing the movie to people? I think I just sort of used the like elevator pitch version, which is just like a girl runs into her sugar daddy and her ex-girlfriend at a shiva. That's sort of the simplest way to put it. But it's very anxious, which is part of the reason I think it it, uh, it succeeds at 77 minutes. I don't know. Maybe it feels longer. I, I'm not sure. I think some moments in a very good way do feel longer, but that's kind of the point. I think you get a very good response from an audience for this film. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad. Thank you. When you were writing the movie, where did the story come from and, and how did it develop whilst you were writing it? Well, it started as a short film for my final project in film school. So it started off as just what's going to be easy for me to write and achieve because I want to make something cheap and uh, I want to make it good and not just have it be an exercise of my dreams of like, oh, I want to make a period piece or I want it to be this crazy thing. I just thought like, well, what can what can I do to just make a good story? And um, I definitely felt like I could write very authentically from my you know family's background, my family experience, that family functions for my very specific Jewish community, which is very reform and Ashkenazi. So I thought about doing it at a family function. And then I just thought, what would make it spicy or what would make it interesting? And that was putting a, a sugar baby there. But, you know, I wanted it regardless to be about a young woman's sex life and her family life coming to a head um because i think sex and family aren't often portrayed within the same story within within the same 77 minutes but i was inspired by transparent um in the way that show tackled sex and family and i wanted to do sort of my own version of that um so that was the impetus for it and then you know as i expanded it i got to sort of draw upon deeper themes and bring on other characters and, and make it a lot more about this woman struggling with her self-worth what i love about the film is it's all set you know largely in one location but it's this pressure cooker scenario and you're right you know these there's these two opposite ends that should never sort of meet or, or talk to each other but they're all there in the same room and it must be so much fun planning the various sort of incidents and how you can sort of ratchet up the tension definitely yeah i think especially with the feature because i was like okay I need to craft a nervous breakdown. So how can this just day be as horrible as possible for her? And who could she run into in this room? And who could she run into in that room? And, um, you know, using all of the players we have of her ex and the sugar daddy and the wife and the baby and her parents, like who can play a part at what point that is going to get in her way? Um, and how can she also be an obstacle for herself? you know, when you're trying to be so many different kinds of people to so many other people, especially as a young woman or a young person, so you can create more chaos for yourself. It was a lovely um, sort of like death by a thousand cuts to, to sort of orchestrate for her. 
you've got such a good lead in, in Rachel Sennett. Uh, I, I do wonder how, how did you first meet her and was she involved in the short film and you brought her on for the feature as well? I met her when I asked her to audition for the short film when I was in film school. I'd seen her in other student films and I'd also seen sketches that she'd written and acted in. She's a comedian on top of being a wonderful actor. So I saw her in those and I thought she was really funny and she looked how I imagined Danielle. So I asked, I asked her to audition and then she was in the short film and she, she not only was she so good, but she made it so her own and it was much more of a dramedy before. And then she really made it a dark comedy. She improved so much and she brought so much of herself into it. And um, I uh, really wanted to keep her, but I also, she became such a collaborator in the feature. She didn't write it, but she was very active in checking in with me and our producers on where we were at with different things. She definitely was my initial goal setter. She was like the person that I was accountable to in terms of things that I said I would do per week or per month. And she would check in with me constantly. And we both had the the goals of Shiva Baby written in terms of by month and by week and by year. And so she was very active in making it. And so, you know, the friendship and working relationship developed continuously from the short to the feature. We, we spent a lot of time together in those two years. Was there anything after you did the short, you had that experience when you were doing the feature, was there anything you wanted to really lean into? Uh, I wonder if there's any sort of conversations you and maybe Rachel had about, oh, we should really go for this scene or this moment. Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing we talked about the most in leading up to the shoot was power and how Danielle's day is constructed by the lack of power she has or moments of gaining it. So, you know, cause I think the entire thing is about her realizing that her sexual power, quote unquote, um, isn't as powerful as she thinks or isn't as far reaching or isn't as sustainable as she thinks it is. And it's definitely all her self-worth is hinging upon. So how in this day, as she feels this power being stripped away by Max looking at her being infantilized by her parents, how is she going to hold on to it or try to gain it back? And I think the thing Rachel and I kept talking about and also relating to between the two of us was when you make bad decisions because you're trying to hold on to the power or because you're trying to use it and act on it. And I think that that idea of powerlessness is something we really wanted to, you know, communicate to the audience. And I think we really wanted to try to go for as much as possible, like just the idea of her. Uh, really having everything stripped away from her in this one day and the idea that she fully changes within the day. I think that with a short, you can kind of do with that whatever you want and it doesn't really have to, it's great if it has a message or a theme or a transformation, but I think with a feature, especially if it takes place in one day, this character needs to change within this day. It needs to be a real coming of age in a day story um, in order for it to feel worthwhile for the audience to watch. So I think Rachel and I kept talking about like, what, how is she changing and what is going to, what is going to change and how is she going to be a completely different person by the end of this day? It really is, you know, quite a, a journey uh, that you take the audience on as well as your <laughs> main character. And yeah, all in 77 minutes. That's very, very impressive. Was it always going to be Thank sort of you. when you're writing it, you're like, it's going to be 77 minutes long or, or did that change as you were shooting and editing? I wrote it orig- originally as 90 pages. And then my producer said to me, it's going to read a lot faster than it's written because the dialogue's going to overlap and you, it should be much longer than this so that because it's going to end up being, this is going to end up being an hour, like these 90 pages. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. So then I made it, I think a hundred or 110 pages or something like that. I kept on making it longer and longer, but with, I was like, but this is getting boring, you know, like, oh, we're stuck in this house. And uh, so I was, I was concerned. 
But initially, I did not think it was going to be 77 minutes. Our first cut, when we had finished editing film, was 90 minutes. And that was the cut that we used to submit to our first uh, festival deadline, which I think was Sundance. Um, and we rushed to sort of have a, a solid first cut to submit there. And then we showed it to, to we a few friends and, and professors and mentors for test screenings. And it just kept getting shorter and shorter from there because they were like, okay, like we get it. Like, you know, there, we had a lot of looks between people. They were like, we can cut down on those. And there was a lot of stuff up top to establish the setting and to establish all the characters. And, you know, we were just getting feedback that they just wanted to get to the meat of it much quicker. They just wanted to get to Danielle with Max and the baby and Kim much quicker and other things like that. So, and then when it came to just upping the tension, our editor sucked all the air out of every moment. We did it together. So we made all that dialogue much more overlapping and we took out the ums and the ahs and the pauses just so Danielle felt like she truly couldn't, you know, have a, take a deep breath. For this podcast, we uh, were talking about, you know, what under 90 minute film would you like to contribute to our film festival, add to our under 90 minute movie library? And you made such a great suggestion. I think we should move on to that now. Emma, what film did you choose for our 90 minutes or less film festival? I chose the film Krisha, Trey Edward Chelta's first film. It also takes place in one day in one location. And it's also based on a short film. And it's not Jewish and it's not a comedy, but it it's very anxiety inducing and it's about a woman losing her mind. So in many ways, it certainly wasn't like an initial inspiration for Shiva Baby. Like I had other movies that and shows that were mostly Jewish that inspired the idea. But in terms of the crafting of Shiva Baby, everything from writing to the sound edit, I kept going back to Krisha. Tensions rise at a Thanksgiving gathering when a troubled Kreisha, played by Kreisha Fairchild, reunites with the extended family that she abandoned years earlier. Directed by and written by Trey Edward Schultz, who's gone on to make a couple of other amazing films following this, uh, released back in 2015, feature-length directorial debut. And a really interesting thing with this is it stars a lot of his real-life family. It stars himself as well, um, but the title character is his real-life aunt, uh, Kreisha Fairchild, who delivers such a compelling and huge performance in this film. I was really blown away, and I think it was quite well-received at festivals at the time, winning prizes at South by Southwest, and it made the selection for the Cannes Film Festival that year and just 81 minutes long four minutes longer than yours but uh <laughs> flies by nonetheless <laughs> I'm curious when did you when did you first watch this was this something you watched like way before you were working on your own film no I think that it had been recommended to me but I didn't actually watch it until I was I had been struggling to figure out the right tone for Chef a Baby and I just decided I'd I only at that point watched a lot of Jewish romantic comedies and maybe some family film like films with, with families um then i i had like a good six weeks i was spending with my family when i was waiting for my new visa to come uh and I'm, I'm canadian and i was living in new york so i had to go back while i was waiting for my new visa and i just decided to watch films that took place in one day in one location or a few days in one location and see how they did it and see how effective they were and i started with Krisha because it sort of checked almost all the boxes of what I was trying to do. Like what I just mentioned earlier, small budget, one location, everything. Um, and I continued to watch other films like, 
you know, more based on plays and, and, you know, that were, had other tones to it, like Rachel getting married or August Osage County or death at a funeral. But this was, this was the one that set the tone. Um, so no, I hadn't watched it. I watched it with the purpose of trying to figure out what was effective about it. And, you know, the purpose of stealing from it <laughs> for my movie. You say it's, a, it's an interesting comparison because it's not, you know, same story in any way, but it, it does sort of generate a similar audience response. And I watched these films back to back before talking to you and they make an incredible double bill. Um, <laughs> I hope some maybe some movie theaters can put that on. Very efficient as well on the running time wise. It's as long as like a superhero film, basically, doing these two films together. Perfect. Yeah. When you were, you know, watching this, you know, and, and, and thinking about your own work, like things that really, really helped you get over a hump or, or was there like, can you remember a moment where you're like, oh, that's how I should do something in my film? I think there was, yeah, I think that the way that you see everything from her perspective, from such a subjective, fearful point of view that everything was going to go wrong and this view of trying to keep it together as much as possible really affected the way that I shaped Shiva's story from Danielle's perspective. And there's also so much dramatic irony in the frame where we're with her in the foreground and there's other characters in the background or around her. You see multiple things happening at once and how it's affecting her. And there's also so, so much wonderful, you know, camera. I mean, I took, I literally took so much from this movie, but on my first initial watch, there's so much wonderful camera movement that takes you from, her to another character to another setting and doesn't cut and the lack of cutting makes you feel quite anxious there's also because it takes place in in one location there's so much detail in the way that she's cutting you know which sometimes can be cheesy but not in this movie the way she's cutting up vegetables and the way the dogs are barking and um the the climactic moment when she maybe it's not climactic at some point she drops the turkey and it's like a really really big deal it feels so um so you feel so bad for her and so painful but it also feels like someone just got shot like it that's the effect that I felt like I had watching it and so those moments you know made me think about what can I do what what could be my equivalent to that at a shiva you know what can what can I what can Danielle drop or bump into or you know, what are the physical things we can show that might make us anxious, like chopping up vegetables or whatnot. So the use of food and really small, subtle details was really important. And I think the private moments by herself, you know, are the tiny versions of what I tried to give to Danielle or Danielle had tinier versions of that. Those were the first initial impressions I had, but I ended up showing it to to my cinematographer. We used a lot that opening Steadicam shot that lasts for like, like, I think 15, it feels like it lasts for 15 minutes. Um, I, I showed her that and then we pretty much watched the whole thing together, but I also came back to it for the edit. I came back to it for the music for sure. So I kept coming back to it, but that was the initial sort of story angle was, was just how well-crafted it felt and how the stakes really, when you look out from an objective point of view, aren't that, aren't that crazy. You know, it's just about family and, 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 you know, being estranged in this, this, and addiction, I guess. Um, 
but it feels catastrophically like horrific when you're watching it. It feels so, so anxious. And I just think that that, you know, that starts in the script and he did it so well. You're right. Like Trey Edward Schultz puts us right at the center of this incoming storm. And, you know, it's it starts in such an innocent way. I, I really love that. Like low-key start with Kreisha coming in. Everyone's being very polite. There's a weird sort of tension, but you don't quite know why. And just in in the course of this you know quite rapid runtime um it really really escalates i i i, I quite liked how the films you're, you're constantly trying to work out but before you actually know you know what Kreisha did why is she estranged right. what's going on and everybody in the family when she has those one-on-one moments uh like with her brother-in-law it all seems kind of light with him and there's jokes and then with her son it's much more serious um mm-hmm. and I, I i quite like how you're, you're constantly like reassessing the character and working out you know how sympathetic should i be towards her and all that stuff and i think it's all just because of Kreisha fairchild's performance is so compelling it's incredible for sure i also that's such a good point there's so much sort of i'm not necessarily passive aggressive tension but there's so much ambiguity as to what happened and there's so much fakeness in how the characters are talking to her and then the way they're talking about her privately or the way you know they must be thinking about her or have talked about her in the past and that's something that i also wanted to to take you know to that i was really inspired by because there's such nuance in the way that that's shown it's not um you can piece it together without it being annoyingly ambiguous like i really i think there's a that's a fine line to walk and it really bothers me when i'm watching artsy indie movies and there's just so much ambiguity that it just ends up being confusing but it's not in this he walks that line really delicately everybody on screen has a really good chemistry and maybe that's because they're family but it must be so hard working with your family like this (laughs) i know i could not imagine she's so fantastic though you're right yeah you sorry i sort of went off in another stream of thought but she's incredible and you need a really really incredible actor to like the camera doesn't leave her face, you know, it's all riding on her and um, her crafting and his directing of her performance of that breakdown, because you're constantly wondering when it's going to happen and if it's going to happen, of course it does. Um, but you, it's, it's not predictable, even though, you know, you, you know, we're sort of expecting a nervous breakdown of some kind and you empathize with her while also being terrified of her at the same time. She's such a, a presence on screen, you know, for, for good or bad. Um, yes. Uh, which I, I, I think is, it's it's just great. It's great casting. Like, what a what a gift to have Kreisha Fairchild as your aunt to, to use her in this <laughs> film uh, and collaborate with her like this. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, he chose wisely within his family. And also, you know, I mean, that opening, I, for, I just almost forgot about that opening shot of her she looks terrifying like she's going to kill you and you're sort of left to wonder like what is this woman going to do but then it almost sets i mean it doesn't almost it sets the tone for what's going to be a, like a very awkward family event but it but it's it's almost like this is going to be a horror movie even though it's about thanksgiving yeah what a blessing it must be to have such talented people in your family and to have a house that you grew up in that's so perfect for a film i believe that he shot it at his parents house oh wow there you go incredible yeah it's made for i mean just thinking about how big it is to get the steady cam through and have multiple sort of cast members on on screen at any one time I, he also must have just gotten so many favors because he made this movie i think for like thirty thousand dollars like something very 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 small I mean, we made shiva baby for 220 
And that was considered extremely small by our standards. And we were getting extreme discounts on things. I mean, I guess I don't know how many of this crew or his cast were paid because in our situation, we were trying that for people. But I told, I remember because he used study cam so much and it was so effective. And I remember saying to my producers that, you know, like he got to do, he had a study cam and they only made it for 30,000. And my producers were so mad at me because I was just kept asking for things that we couldn't afford. And my producer was like, they probably found it in a dumpster. <laughs> they were just so resentful <laughs> of the fact that this movie was made for such little money. And I kept using it as a reference point and being like, look. But they just couldn't stomach that. You know, uh, a lot of us weren't paid, but we tried to at least give some people something. Um, and that added up for sure. <laughs> what have you been doing? I have been living a life in which I have tried to become a better human being. And that's as much as I'm interested in saying to you about it. This is a place of healing. Right here, right here it is, Krisha, this is it. You can say anything, anytime, anywhere. You let me know. You sort of hear about it a lot with first features that it might be adapted from something like a short or something pre-existing. When it, when you were doing that yourself, did you feel like after the short you had more of a story to tell so it made more sense to to kind of go back to it and, and extend it? It was actually the other way around. I think I went into my final year of school looking for an idea for my thesis that could sustain a longer story and an adaptation process. I think that I wanted to be able to try to make a proof of concept out of my thesis film, which I think a lot of students want to do. So I tried to find an idea that would have the ability and the, the sort of interest from other people um, it, when it came to sort of making it longer. Um, so it was sort of the other way around, but I wasn't sure if it was going to work by any means. The music in in, in Shiver Baby is incredible. I think you've got such a good a collaborator there. Um, like it, it does such a good job of ramping up the tension and to the point where like, I, I say like I was I was so uncomfortable watching it, but I was glued to the screen, uh, which is <laughs> such a fine line. <laughs> and I felt similar to to the music in Creature as well. Like the score in this film is is so good, and I think it really adds value, like production value to the to the movie overall. Definitely, it it does add production value. That's such a great way to put it because you know you don't have many things at your disposal, many elements when you're working within such a constricted space, um, time and time and, and location wise. Um, I, Krisha was the only reference I had for a film score. I didn't want a film score at all at first for a long time. And then finally, when I decided that I did want it, I couldn't think of any other films in terms of their scores that I wanted to replicate, um, especially because I wanted to have a string based score to reflect a sort of klezmer, like a Yiddish klezmer uh, sort of vibe. And I couldn't, I just couldn't. So my only other references were like klez, klezmer music, um, which weren't particularly anxious um, or from from movies. So that was the only film I kept going back to was Prisha. And my composer was like, do you have anything else? I was like, just Prisha. <laughs> um, but it really does help. I think it sells a lot more. It makes the film feel um, like a lot more is happening than what you're when you're just looking at it, it really, really holds everything together. I think the score, it just is a wonderful bow to tie on, you know, at the end of the process. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the right way to phrase it, isn't it? I think like, it, it just, it, it's that final touch to just extenuate any, you know, the emotions that you're, you're trying to get across in, in that particular scene. 
I was really struck by the ending of, of Kreisha. I, I wonder how you felt when you first watched it, you know, when we sort of said goodbye to this character. I think in some ways it felt really, um, I don't know, it felt like it made sense. I think, I mean, what I'm imagining is the ending. Now I'm like, did I watch the right movie? Like, did she die or something? The ending is her with talking to her sister, right? And having like a real heart to heart, you know, after she's just ruined this day for everybody. I felt that to be a really heartwarming or, or nice ending because this woman's just had the worst day ever and she's she's been given hell and she's been giving hell to other people. So it's nice to have a real moment of humanity where the music stops and everything slows down. And I think that was probably a reference point for the conversation between Danielle and her mom and Shiva baby when they're on the floor <laughs> sitting with each other. Um, I didn't even realize that till now until you pointed it out. But I think, I mean, yeah, like I sort of feel similarly with Danielle. I'm like, you want this woman to have a break. Like you, you just like, you, she, she's really not having a good day. So uh, I loved it. I don't know. I, what happens after that? Does she just, she leaves, right? She leaves, but the final shot is on her face and her face is so like, interesting to see. Is it the same shot we start with of just on her face? Yeah, it's the same shot. I don't know. I mean, that makes sense to me. I don't know. I got, it's just sort of closing everything up where with that tone, you know, with how she's doing. Um, uh, I don't know, I guess a part of me makes me feel like, well, then has she changed or does she feel any differently if we're seeing the same shot we saw at the beginning or perhaps that's where the movie started and she feels just as scary, I don't know. So we're gonna we're gonna add Kreisha into our under ninety minutes film festival. Have you got a favorite cinema or movie theater where we would uh, we should put this film on as it's your curatorial choice? I have to decide because I'm from Toronto, but I lived in New York for seven years. Do you, you do you mean anywhere in the world? It could be it could be anywhere in the world. Um, luckily, the film festival has a blank check, and uh, <laughs> and and we can we can make anything happen. It seems incredible. Um, I think the Tiff Bell Lightbox in Toronto is probably my favorite theater. I think that's maybe the first first shout out. We've had so many amazing cinemas uh, shouted out, but that's the first one there in Toronto. So uh, let's do it. Let's bring the yeah, festival to Canada. Definitely. Awesome. If, you, if you're able to add a few sort of flourishes to the screening, have you got a, a favorite snack or a drink you like to have when you're watching a film at the cinema? I'm sort of basic. I just like my popcorn. And I mean, when I was younger, my dad always got Diet Coke with me. I mean, I don't really get, I think I've switched to Coke now if I get anything at all. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty basic, like buttered popcorn and a Coke. Um and like now I bring my water bottle and my Vaseline because my lips get dry um, and uh, I wear comfortable shoes because I end up, especially when I'm watching an anxious movie, I put my knees up to my chest and hold them. So yeah, those, so those are some of the things I like bringing to the theater with me. Sounds good. I think we, we can make it a comfortable screening, comfy seats. <laughs> uh, people can people can maybe leave their shoes at the door, wear some slippers in, something like that. We can have popcorn <laughs> on every chair. It's not basic. I think it's the classic, you know, that's, that's what you want when you go to the cinema. Good. I'm glad. Thank you. <laughs> and if you could choose a guest to maybe, you know, introduce a movie or, or have a Q&A with afterwards, who would you, if you could book one person, who would you like to invite? Honestly, maybe I was going to say, like, I think maybe even maybe try Edward Schultz per this conversation. Having another filmmaker that's done a similar thing would be really cool. Him or the Saki brothers. Right? So if the Saki brothers come as one unit, if they could be one person um, together, then either one of them. 
I mean, I, I do think there's something to be said for maybe a triple bill of, of Cretia, Shiver Baby and Uncut Gems. That would be, that would be, I mean, it'd be, it'd be quite hard maybe for some people, but. <laughs> that might literally induce, yeah, a heart attack. But imagine the thrill, the buzz. Well, there we go. So we'll bring, we're going to bring the festival to Toronto. We're going to have a very comfortable screening with your favorite snacks on seats, little pots of Vaseline as well, just in case the aircon is too much. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, we'll get Trey Edward Schultz and the Safdie brothers on afterwards to talk about the movie. Fantastic. What a, what a dream event. Uh, well, thank you so much, Emma, for talking to us today. It was so, it was, it was so much fun to watch Kreisha and Shiver Baby back to back. And, and I do highly recommend listeners check out Shiver Baby on Mubi. 77 minutes, which is uh, an unforgettable uh, experience, I have to say. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for having me and for talking to me. This is lovely. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. You can also listen on our website, 90minfilmfest.com. That's 90minfilmfest.com. You can contact us there or on Twitter and Instagram at 90minfilmfest. The podcast is produced by Louise Owen and me, Sam Clements. The show is edited by Louise Owen with sound mixing and additional editing by Luke Smith. Our music is by Martin Ostwick and our artwork is by Sam Gilby. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We're a proud member of the Stripped Media Network. 